everybody, and welcome back to the Top Rank Podcast. I'm your host, Rami Rank, and let's dive right into things right now. With us today, we have Shay Bakker. Shay is a renowned fashion stylist and costume designer. Her clients include the Kardashians, Nicole Richie, Halle Berry, Lindsey Vaughn, and Sean White, among others. Her work can be seen in shows on Bravo, NBC, CBS, and the CW, as well as on the covers of magazines such as People, Marie Claire, and Rolling Stone, as well as a multitude of red carpet premieres. She's also about to launch her own sustainable clothing brand, Second Line, and Shay, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here today. How are you doing? Great. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate your time. So I want to start kind of at the very beginning. Now, you describe your career as having started when you went to work with Chanel Hot Couture in Paris, but you know, it couldn't have been just you getting on a plane and just walking off it and then you end up working in Europe. So how did you, how did you get into this? Like, were you, when you were a kid, were you way into fashion? I was, but I don't think anyone would have called it fashion back then. I used so to what take was it? Undershirts and like rip them up and paint them and like graffiti them and then make my younger sister <laughs> walk around and do pretend fashion shows in the house until they started realizing I was using all of the t-shirts and towels. I would use towels as skirts and like sew them together by hand. Oh God! It was very Frankenstein looking. It was awful. <laughs> I wouldn't call that fashion. <laughs> okay. Uh- but but you were already designing, even though you weren't realizing it, which, I mean, that's kind of cool, like, you know, to do that very early on. So then also when- torturing my little sister was a bonus. <laughs> well, I, like, torturing any sibling is always a bonus. I still torture <laughs> right. my brother and my sister to this day. I, it's, I, I, I mean, it's kind of required, I feel like. It's just one of the parts yeah. of being a sibling. <laughs> it makes them better people, I feel. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, look, I, how are they ever going to be strong if, like, you know, their older siblings don't torture them? I mean, that, that's just what you have <laughs> to do. I'm sure she wouldn't agree with you, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if she's a strong person today, it's all because of you. She did nothing else. That's that's what I said. It's all about me. <laughs> <laughs> so then, okay, so you were doing this design work when you were a kid, even though it wasn't design work. It was you just, you know, tearing stuff up and, you know, making them your own. But then when do you decide to make this move to Paris and how, how do you get involved with them? Well, I was like a professional ballet dancer as a kid. So I was around costumes. Being from New Orleans, we did big Mardi Gras balls. So there was always this sort of lean that way. But also, as you can imagine, Rami, discouraged by your parents because that's not a real job. And they don't spend all this money putting you through school and raising you for you to, you know, go play with sequins all day and be on in toe shoes, which my dad was like, no. I got like scholarship to New York City Ballet when I was 13. And he was like, no, you're not going. <laughs> He's like, you're going to starve to death. But that was sort of an interim. So basically, I was told when, when I went to college. You know, you got like four choices of degrees. Okay. I got a business degree. Uh, always was still like buying the fashion magazines and the books and all this, you know, different vogues and Wintour and just reading all the biographies of everyone. And um, ended up getting a master's in international finance from Loyola Marymount. Nice. And decided before I graduated, okay, if I can get a couple of paychecks in fashion, then instead of going back and being a broker, I was a broker in Boston for a little while. I'm going to like take the leap. When were you in Boston? What years were you there? uh, Actually, September 11th, I was interviewing and they froze everything. Oh, wow. I had flown in from New Orleans, staying with friends, and I had like two weeks worth of interviews and September 11th happened. So I ended up getting stuck there because they closed Logan Airport. They closed all of New York's airports. You couldn't get out. And I kept interviewing, but then there was a freeze. So all my interviews got canceled or got postponed. So I was there almost to Thanksgiving before I could even go back. Oh, wow. Got a job. 
and work there for about a year and a half, which is normal. You work for about a year and a half in the industry and then you need to go get your master's or you can't become a partner. It's just like a stone. So that's what I did. I went to Marymount. I chose Los Angeles specifically because of the design. I had already had some experience in New York and I wanted to try, you know, the other coast basically and got a job with a designer that had started from scratch. Uh, her name is Adik Kashishian, and she basically showed me the ropes. She had she already had like built-in stylists she was working with, introduced me to Rachel Zoe, and I was interning for her. She picked me out of a bunch of people that wanted to work for her because I had a business background. Is she and still she around? She got married, had babies, put her line on hold, but basically, I mean, like unheard of, opened up her Rolodex to me for, she said, take it. She's like, that's amazing. I'm here as a mentor, whatever you need, like keep in touch. And that was September. I know another monumental thing that happened. Then Katrina happens while I'm at Marymount. Right after Katrina is when she put the line on hold and I stayed in LA full time. Got it. Okay. But I've been here since about 2006, seven. Okay. So about 2006. Okay. And then though, so do you go to Paris before or after that? So during that time, uh, I actually went to Paris to help design. I was there with Marymount as well. So it was part of my dissertation, got an in with um, the Haute Couture in Paris and got to help design a gown and then got to see it in Italy, shipped to Italy. And, and that was also part of my dissertation. And then I came home. I mean, but that's, that's kind of like this amazing, like almost like romantic journey through Europe of, you know, design and lifestyle. Like th- that's incredible. I mean, were you tempted just to stay there instead of going back to LA? Oh, if I had money, I would have. <laughs> I would have definitely stayed. But I was running out of all that money I made in Boston. And that goes quick um, when does. you're a student again. And then you take an internship that you're not getting paid for. Uh, I didn't really have a choice. I had to come back. <laughs> I had to get a job. <laughs> I got Okay, so when you come back then, what is your absolute first job at that point? I worked on Robertson as a stylist for Rachel Zoe. Okay, got it. So and, you... So you're working under her. And so is she also mentoring you still, or are you at that point, like you're just ready to break off onto your own? I was, I was still going back and forth, but trying to help out with New Orleans and Katrina. Mm-hmm. And I left LA to go back um, and help like the last six months. And when I came back, I, there was no position for me. So that's when I decided, okay, well, you know, I got my, got my feet wet. It's time to jump in. So with yeah. Katrina, what, what type of stuff were you doing to help out back there? Cause I know you're from there. Yeah. My, my, everyone I knew, I actually had a roommate out in LA while I was in Marymount, who's from New Orleans. She couldn't move back. Um, her house was destroyed. All of her family's homes were destroyed. They were all, all of her family's aunts, uncles, cousins, brother, sister, parents, all living in one little three bedroom house about an hour and a half outside of New Orleans. So she couldn't even move back to help them recover because there was no place for her to sleep or bathe. That's she horrible. Put it more of a burden. She wasn't making good rent out here, so I shared my rent still with her in LA, so she would have a place to stay. And then I went back, and the only home that really wasn't affected was uh, my grandmother's, which is crazy because I had a townhouse a mile away that got destroyed. Oh my god! Tornadoes ripped through, like just a bunch of stuff happened. But that's kind of how it, it makes a weird track, and uh, yeah. It's, it's almost like you can see when they do the overheads of tornadoes, like one street's gone and the next street looks untouched. Or sometimes with the fires, you know, we see here where like scorched earth and then right next to it, it looks like nothing happened. 
Well, yeah, no, I've seen that. When I was a kid, there was a tornado. It was weird because, I, look, I grew up in New Jersey. There's not really like a tornado hotbed there, but there was one that went through our town and it went through my grandmother's street and she had this big tree in front of her house just like in like that little grass patch. I don't know what you call it, but it's the one between the sidewalk and the street that the tree was completely ripped out of the ground. There was no other damage to anything else whatsoever in the area. Literally, tornado touched down, ripped out the tree, and then left. It was just like, it, but it's crazy. It's like, you know, that like pinpoint accuracy of destruction that they do. And they're huge and they're wind. And like, you, I don't understand it. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I personally, I never want to be caught in one. It's, uh, you know, I just want to avoid it at all costs. So anyway, um, you finish helping out. You come back to L.A. Now, did you at that point just take up that old Rolodex and start calling folks? And that's how you we'll get your first them. client. Yep. So who who's your first client that you got? Uh, I started independently. My first client was Bravo um, and (laughs) Jackie Warner. Nice. (laughs) How was that? Jackie Warner. Um, (laughs) She was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) She is, you know, there's just a lot of stories, but she, um, look, I'll always be grateful. She picked me right away. We, we both lived on Laurel Canyon at that time. So real close styled her for her entire reality show of like eight or nine weeks out of her own closet mostly because we didn't have a huge budget with them at first. It was season one. And, um, yeah, there was, it was a roller coaster. It was definitely baptism by fire. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But like, you know, sometimes that when you go through those like baptism by fires, as you describe it, like it almost ends up snowballing from there because people see it's like, okay, you can handle this. You can do this. So is that basically what happened to you? Did like, you know, you just start getting referrals from that at that point? Well, I started actually, I didn't know I was going to be on set. I had never been on set. When I started with Adit, we were doing fashion. We were doing her fashion line and we were doing all red carpets. So when I started with Jackie, it was going to be for all of the press tour that Bravo is going to be rolling out for the show. And she also had a book coming out. So she had another book tour. So we were putting together all that. And then they pulled me on set. So I was her personal stylist, and that was my first time on set. It was really baptism by fire, both ways, <laughs> uh, because you're working with a network, but you're working with two different agencies, basically, their press agency and then their production agency part. And then, you know, the, the production company that they hire to actually shoot the show. So how does that work then for you as the stylist? I mean, do you just have like, you know, both companies, you know, I mean, hopefully giving you the same message about what they're wanting to see, or are you going oh. to them? Oh no! <laughs> Perfect. No. Jackie had a way she wanted to do it. She was the one of the executive producers on the show, so she actually had final say anyway. She oh, was in good. constant battles with them. Um, the press tour, they had their own color schemes, and also when Bravo does those kind of press tours, they roll out with they call it like the Bravo liberties because they put all the shows together. So you can't wear what anyone else is wearing. You can't have anyone oh, else's look. You have to have your separate identities. But then all the shows shoot at the same time and have this one big gala party. <laughs> so, so no, none of it made sense. <laughs> none of it was logical, and I came from stock world and like business, <laughs> and so yeah. I, I mean, literally, this isn't even baptism by fire. That's like they're putting you in front of the firing squad, basically. At that point, I felt like that a lot. There were days yeah. where like stay here in the room because she's not in a good mood. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> But I mean, look, somehow, somehow you're able to get through it. I've I've seen it both ways because, you know, look, I've done some reality and most of the, uh, you know, the unscripted work that I did, we didn't have stylists on there. You know, it was just like whoever, whoever, whoever. I mean, the the two times where I had a stylist was 
One was on uh, Jay Leno's garage where Jay had a stylist and, you know, Jay mainly wears the same thing most of the time. So we didn't really have to worry too much about it. It was just, you know, where's the denim suit coming from this time? And then the and other look one, pretty much Pat, like you, you don't change it. No, you, know? you, you don't. I mean, and you've worked with him too, right? I've been on shows with him. I've been on his show for other clients. Got it. So I've been, I haven't worked with Jay personally because he has his own people. Mm-hmm. But anytime any of the celebrities I'm working with go on the show, I do their stuff. Got it. So, yeah. And then the other uh, instance that I had was a stylist who showed up who, you know, it was, it was this weird because it was this hybrid scripted reality thing. And the stylist insisted that uh, she was not going to do anybody except for the host. And meanwhile, we're sitting there like, we actually have design work. Like you, you were hired as the costume designer, but you're refusing to design costumes. And the answer was yes. To which, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what an asshole. I will tell you, like if I see somebody who needs something on set or if I'm behind the DP and I'm looking in the camera and I'm like, this is going to mess up the whole shot. I don't care who you are. I'm going to get permission and step in and fix it. Right. Right. But Jackie would get so pissed. <laughs> like I had it on the side, like this guy had an oozing zit, oozing. Ugh. And I was like, come on, we can't have, it's like dripping. And, and I was like, get over here. Like we took a break. I'm like, go in the bathroom, put this on your face. And like, let's get this stopped. Yeah, seriously. Um, the hair and makeup girl was also with Jackie personally, and we weren't supposed to touch anyone but her. So I could maybe see a stylist. I don't know, but maybe see a stylist say, I was hired for this person. Like if you take me away from that person, like, you're going to piss off the main person and then you're not going to have your shots anyway. Right. So it it could be a balancing thing, but if she's hired to actually design and like put together a whole ensemble of things, you can't just say F off. I'm (laughs) Yeah. She didn't want to do that. Like it was one of those things where like, like, but your job is to do this. What, what, why? Like, Right. I mean, that also... Her it, job description. Yeah, I, like, it, personally, it was probably one of the most frustrating shows that I've ever worked on. And it was one of those ones where, like, you know, at one point, uh, they were like, look, we're probably going to have to shut down and lay you off for a little while. I was like, good, please. Like, just get, yeah. get, get me out of here. Uh, oh, yeah, it was it was not fun. I mean, we, we can offline about some other stories on that one. But right. it, it, it was a pretty amazing experience. So anyway... After after Jackie Warner and your experience with Bravo and everything, now you, you start taking on more and more clients. And is it just at this point that people are calling you because of that? Or are you still out there pounding the pavement at that point? It's a little bit of both. I feel like everyone in this industry is always looking for another job after this job. Um, there is it, And especially with stylists, I know they rotate very often because you get a new agent who has a new look for you, who has a new whatever, who wants to update everything. You just kind of get used to it. In the beginning, I got my feelings hurt. Like we were friends and like we had a whole thing and why can't you bring me on? But it, you know, it's been long enough where I'm just like, you know, I, we've done what we could. We've taken it as far as we can. And I wish you the best of luck going forward. You know, if you right. ever need anything, you know where to get me. Um, but, but so you, in order to keep, keep things rolling. And now I have like a big, huge studio with like multi levels to hold everything. Um, as you move along and you grow yourself, you realize the clients aren't always going to be the same. So even if you take on more, you still have to have a rolling uh, relationship with agents and managers and other people who are bringing in sort of like new celebrities and, and you know, the next generation of actors. So is that where a lot of your clients are coming from or from the agents and managers then who know you and know your work? Yep. 
or agents who ask other agents a lot. That's happened so many times or producers that I've worked with, like um, line producers on one show, they'll say, well, we need a wardrobe person. Who have you worked with that you like? A couple of people have referred me that I had never even heard of that. It was like, went to the third person that called. Oh, that's like, awesome. Looking that's awesome. For, well, so-and-so is looking for, well, Oh, I worked with Shay. So it's always been word of mouth. I've never had an agent. I've, I've never really been like we talked about. I hate even hearing my own bio. I'm not <laughs> the one to put myself out there as much, which I think probably isn't great. <laughs> like, well, it's both good and it's not good because yeah, maybe you're not putting yourself out there, but at the same time, it's like when you don't have to market yourself and you have all these people coming to you, I mean, it almost increases your value to a certain extent. Like, you know, it's not like, you know, you go out on the street and there's like, you know, director for hire, Steven Spielberg. It's like, no, it's like, you know, oh, you call him and he decides, you know, what he wants to do. But I mean, for you, is it almost at that point where you, like clients will come to you and say, look, I really want to work with you and you're turning them down? It, there have been moments like that. And then there have been moments where I'm like, wow, I haven't done anything in a month. <laughs> well, I need to do something. <laughs> you know, over the course of the last decade, there have been moments where I, I, I said I can't, you know, SB Awards, Grammy Awards, whatever. I already have six people and we're two weeks out. I can't get you any special gowns. You're going to have to have a budget. You know, all the great gowns for free already taken. I've turned down people for award shows for sure. It, it's like if you could get me six months ahead of time and I could bring more of a team together and we could, you know, spread out more, but I'm just not going to take on more people just for the do it. You know, I want to make sure that each person gets the proper, like a hundred percent attention that they need. Is there ever anybody you look at and you're just like, yeah, you're just a train wreck. I cannot help you. Like th that's it. I've had a lot of train wrecks, but I've never <laughs> given up. <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I had one particular person put, her head through the arm of a shirt four times. <laughs> Handed it back to her. Put it back inside out. Here's the head. So that's what it's like working with Julia Roberts. Back to the arm. <laughs> like, have you never done dress before? <laughs> but I mean, it it's, wasn't it's, like a complicated, strappy. It was a damn shirt for a, a reality show. It wasn't red carpet. It was a shirt. I know, but it's funny though, because it's like some people like, you know, when you work with them, you realize like, my God, how helpless are you? I mean, it's like, exactly. they're, they're, but you like, can't say that because then they will be in tears. They'll have a meltdown. And then the director will be like, what the hell did you do to her? It's like, I was a child star. Everyone's dressed me since I was a year and a half years old. I don't know what sleeves are. My God. Sean White. Really? He was, just, he was just very honest. He said, all the clothes I've ever gotten were free. I don't wow. know. Well, yeah, I mean, because he's he been snowboarding like since he, he, he's been a star since he was five. Look, he said that. I said, what are you doing? He's like, aren't you going to dress me? I was like, you're serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He goes, All right. your first time? I said, no, but I feel like it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> Olympic gold medalist can't dress himself. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> But I mean, and then, and then that, that one wasn't as funny in the sense that, I mean, his family was living in his car to support him being a snowboarder and a skater. Right. He didn't have any money. He literally, and, and they were so particular, the sponsors he had that dressed him, that was all he ever wore. They were so particular in how he wore it. They did dress him. Wow. And they dressed him from when he was five. So think about it. You have children. When are you teaching them how to dress? Oh, if you God. don't have any clothes that you never have to put on yourself, starting at five. 
Well, yeah. I mean, it's funny though. It depends on which kid because it's, you know, my, my older son, we still go and, you know, get his outfits for him and everything. And, you know, me, my, my younger son who I, I've nicknamed him captain independence, like, you know, he'll just walk into our room and be like, look what I'm wearing. And it's like this perfectly matched outfit that he's put. He's yeah, he does. It's not like he got like some like, you know, sunglasses and like, you know, like a wife beater and like, you know, slacks or something like he put together like, like, like this like gray marvel t-shirt and like red shorts and like he's just ready to go for the day and i'm just sitting there i'm like like he he's the one though like i'm gonna be in trouble when this kid grows up like he's way too together and way too independent like it's it's amazing it really is that's great i mean it's great but but you can see that sort of hit me in a different way A, a grown woman who's educated and has children and can't find the sleeve that's confusing well yeah that's a that's a problem that's an yeah. absolute problem <laughs> so, but with him, really at first i was like come on are you serious and then he was like yeah and then when he kind of explained it and then of course i'm going home and i'm like googling because i didn't know any of that stuff about him um i mean his agent called me he had a big press tour thing doing and whatever so i was like okay i'm there whatever i didn't know that much about him so when i went home i was like wow well yeah he's surprisingly down to earth for having you know the fact that he can't dress himself. He wasn't being a diva. He was, you know. Well, no, he was being very honest, which, you know, it's cool. But at the same time, it's also, you know, somewhat sad. I mean, like, you know, he he's basically, you know, just been, I, I don't even know how a nice way to say it, but like a shill for everyone else since he was a little kid, you know. Billboard. Well, yeah. I mean, does like, you know, has somebody like that ever had time to really just be themselves and, you know, enjoy life? Yeah, I think that's why he kind of stepped away after. We were we continued to be friends after he kind of stepped out of the mm-hmm. spotlight a little bit. And then I realized, you know what? He did this, which is kind of a blessing for me as as a stylist because they don't try to put it on their own way. They don't mess it up. They don't rip a rip, you know, a seam or buttons or rip the zipper off or do something stupid. And then got to know him, hung out, went to lunch, coffee, whatever after. He can dress himself with his own clothes, you know, right. which in a t-shirt he puts his own jeans on okay. he just knew that these were clothes that he was getting for this press thing and he didn't want to mess them up all right well that's cool that's kind of a fair point then it's that's just good a strange approach <laughs> <laughs> just standing there holding his arms out and dress me and staring at me <laughs> <laughs> nothing weird about you that need at a all. Hug, like, <laughs> are you having a bad day <laughs> what's happening well, I mean, that's my next question, because I always feel like, you know, whenever, you know, uh, like even like, you know, like our hair and makeup stylists on shows, but there's almost like, you know, you're not just, you know, dealing with them on the outside, but there's also like almost like a, a psychotherapy, you know, element to the job as well. There definitely is. I mean, there's, do you like there's a code of secrecy between hair and makeup and wardrobe to get somebody out and get them ready and get them in the in the right headspace. And there is, you know, the best stylist and the best hair and makeup people may not be the most talented at that job. What they're the most talented at is understanding the actors and what they need to give their best performance and being able to support that because we are, we're the last line of defense and they need to know that we have their back as well. You know, like we're going to be behind the camera to make sure this, to make sure that, to like fix those deep insecurities so that just the person that they're trying to become in front of the camera is the only thing you see. Do you find your clients calling you in off hours to almost like, you know, talk through stuff like when they're going through that? Yeah. I've, I've helped out with readings. They've well, where my studio is located is it's right across from all the studios. I'm in the Hills. So 
it's almost like a stop spot. I've had people sleep here. I've had people <laughs> stop. My, I have a full bar. <laughs> nice. Like, this is kind of, it, there's an open door policy. Um, even a lot of times if I'm not here, it's all locked up and we have cameras and stuff, but we have like photo backdrops and some people will come here just to do tapings. Let's just like to do their, their quick tapes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely build that sort of friendship and relationship with them on a different basis, but it brings so much back when it's time to be on set. You can push them to their limits because you know them. So like you can tell them five minutes or you can step in and talk to the director and be like, look, this person's having a really bad day. If you're going to need to get this out of them, like try to work with me on this part and I'll make sure the rest happens. And, and um, yeah. And I think hair and makeup has a lot with that too. I'm, uh, I'm yes. really wondering how that's going to change after after this COVID stuff. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, it's a huge question because, I mean, you think about just like doing hair and makeup in general. I mean, you know, like, like I'm my, my wife did this for me, which is, uh, you know, very nice to say haircut. Um, and, you know, I take care of the beard. But, you know, you get there on set. I mean, the moment you have to start doing, you know, anything like, uh, you know, blood effects or, you know, pr- prosthetics, scars, anything like that. It you, is two you, people's face-to-face this close for hours. Yeah. I mean, uh, like uh, my my image in my head is, you know, the hair and makeup team in hazmat suits. I mean, that's uh, I, like how that's do you what we do just that? shot. That's what we just shot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they said, Shay, we're calling you because you're the only person we know that would have a hazmat suit and it's not like we can order them. And I was like, okay. actually. I have some hazmat suits. <laughs> I was going to say, how many hazmat suits do you have on hand? Six. That's impressive. That's absolutely <laughs> impressive. But the zipper ones, the like easy ones that you do that are supposed to be like they're showing you people are giving the testing. I don't have those because they rip so easy mm-hmm. that they frustrate the hell out of me. I have like the real ones. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so but you- we have to buy, which they were saying like, we only have a week and a half to do this. I couldn't even get, couldn't order them in time. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're just completely, you know, on a backlog and like any ones that become available immediately have to go to like, you know, hospitals and like testing labs exactly. and all that stuff. Exactly. Oh, my God. It's it's crazy times right now. Um, so let me ask you, do you have a preference between when you're like costume designing for movies versus, you know, just working with individual celebrities for, um, you know, print and, uh, you know, award shows and stuff? I think that my favorite's always award shows. Really? They're so much fun. They're... Um, well, you know how it is to be on set. You could have 22-hour days in a row. Yes. With not stop. I have slept many days. I have talked to the union truckers, not supposed to say this, and said, just leave the damn air conditioning on. I got an overnighter. You know? Yeah. And they're like, are you sure? Are you going to be safe? Nobody's I won't tell a damn soul, and I'll buy you free pizza tomorrow. Please leave this truck running. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and you don't have that with awards. There is a, there's a very set schedule. Yes, it's tight. It's always... Um, a lot of anxiety right at the end, but I love the shopping. I love the co-designing. I love to make them just feel glamorous and gorgeous and who they are and not as a separate character. And then to see the final product and yeah, no, I love that. So when you're doing the award shows, are you designing all of those outfits from scratch or are you out shopping with the the clients? Like how, how does that process work exactly? It, it runs the gamut. It's a little bit of all of it. So it, it honestly depends on the level of actor and where they are and how, how much and what designers are willing to donate to them. So sometimes if they're just coming out or they have a TV show and no one's ever heard of them and this is their first carpet, it's, it's a lot out of their pocket. So then it's what budget are we working with? And I'm, I'm 
pride myself in the fact that I can work with very little budgets and I, and I'm really great at spending tons of money, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm really great at maximizing whatever budget you give me, Rami. <laughs> if it is $2, it's gone. If it's 2 million, it's gone. <laughs> I, the, the, the story that I've heard is that uh, there's a lot of costume designers who basically just like it's 11 PM, you know, we've done, we're done shooting for, you know, the last three, four hours and the costume designer is at home with a glass of wine and the and the petty cash card and just going at it on the internet for <laughs> <laughs> oh i mean so many nights i was like what's open 24/7 because they just changed the script and i need to find this stuff before set at 6 a.m. and we just got off and it's 12 like nothing's open nothing's going to be shipped in time right so like how do i do this or we have a sewing team and i'm just grabbing scraps from the studio and saying let's make this happen yeah, so I mean, you have to be, uh, uh, you have to be resourceful like that. There's no other way to be, and you know, still be successful. I really try never to say no. I think maybe only once in ten years have I had to tell a director, unless you give me your black card, the answer is no. <laughs> what, can I ask that story? <laughs> what was that? Uh, it was it was a decent uh, movie for NBC. I won't say what, and I won't say who the director is because he's totally blackballed now. But you would know him. <laughs> Okay. Uh, he's worked on some pretty big and he's won some awards, but he's out because he's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But basically, I brought him for the lead actress of this movie, like maybe six or seven options for jeans. And that wasn't enough. He said, <laughs> when I did this other, you would know movie with this other, you would know actress. We had 200 options of jeans. I said, what? I said, that's great. Do we have three days to show you fittings? Because he did not expect, he would not see a picture or on a mannequin of the jeans. He wanted them on the actress. So can you imagine having a fitting with just, and that's one outfit. We had like maybe 85 looks for this movie, for this one actress. Looks, total head to toe looks. And he wanted one pair of jeans for one scene, 200 options. Did anyone tell him that, you know, if the audience was concerned about which pair of jeans she was wearing and that that was ruining the movie, that he had more problems than just the jeans? We all thought that. <laughs> that would not be something you would say. <laughs> <laughs> but we definitely were like... And I did say, you know what? If you give me your black card, I will have 200 pairs of jeans for you in two hours. <laughs> I'm like... I have no problem shopping and they will all be in her size. Guarantee it. But you're going to have to make time in the schedule for her to have a fitting. Well, yeah. And what actor wants to stand there and put on her day to days was like just enough time to shoot. Oh, well, yeah. Who wants to sit there and put on jeans for three days straight? I mean, I'm at a, at a, I would, but I'm in fashion. And if you're paying me to just try on jeans, I'm there for you, honey. <laughs> You have but a way like, more po- trying to get in character and learn your lines. And, you know, you're in a new setting and new se- like, no, hey, you're, you're talking to the guy. My wife, you know, buys me something in Nordstrom's and you know, she has to ask me for about two and a half days to just try it on. Cause I'm just like, 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 I don't want to see how fat I am. I just, I just don't need this right now. <laughs> so, I, no one needs this right now in quarantine. <laughs> no, God, no. So, I mean, how's that going for you right now? I mean, did, like, did, is everything just ground to an absolute halt for you or what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, so the Fashion Line launch was supposed to happen in May, the beginning of May. And basically, I was talking to the team mid-February saying, we're going to have to take this by ear. I don't want to put anyone, 
you know, in danger. We don't even know what this thing is. Like around February 15th, I was getting rumbles and stuff from New York. And uh, I can't have a bunch of sewers in a room with a bunch of fabrics that then have to also now be sanitized before we can even bring them to market. All the materials that go into making it would have to be sanitized or like it was just a little overwhelming. So we were going to try and set up things to work at home. My main sewer ended up uh, just started making masks and donate them. She was doing like 200 masks a day. Oh, wow. And everyone else is just sort of sitting and waiting. But no, I said, is if anyone's comfortable, we uh, the studio's pretty big. I could set up stations. Yeah. And maybe try and monitor those rooms with a mask. And everyone said we'd prefer to wait. Really? So, yeah. Um, the fashion line is basically at a halt. We're still doing some tech stuff and behind the scenes and I'm prepping as much as I can for just like forward thinking stuff, but you can only do so much when you haven't gotten the feedback from the customer because you haven't launched. So I'm just curious then like, you know, what, what type of prep work are you doing right now? Is it just additional designs or or what what are you working on? It's mostly like a bunch of designs um, and ideas for fabric. So I have like a whole fabric shopping list. Um, My stuff comes from all the historical stuff that we've worked in. So I have bolts of fabric uh, in the studio and in in the archives. I have all these old vintage clothes from like the most glamorous things that we've done on the red carpet to just like that crazy low budget horror film with like, you know what I mean? Jean shorts. And we're just sort of mismatching, like pulling the pockets off the jean shorts and putting them on a pair of leather pants and just like redoing it all. Um, but right now I'm just getting a bunch of ideas, a bunch of photo shoot ideas because, you know, setting up a photo shoot with models and locations and colors and all, it's a whole project. So I'm just trying to separate those things, marketing campaigns and then future designs. I gotcha. And so, so, uh, I don't think we've mentioned the name yet, but second line is your, uh, is your clothing line that uh, we're talking about right now. And so uh, I, you know, I've done a little bit of reading on it. So the basic idea is like, these are all of the stuff that you've worked on over the course of your career that you have, and you're basically redesigning and putting it all together for folks to have. And one of the points you make, though, in the press release is that everything is custom sewed, everything is, you know, original design. So uh, are, literally, are there any two pieces that are alike in this line? No. Everything wow. is handmade by our team, and it's the same team that I bring on set with me. So they're not used to just, like, manufacturing we're used to manufacturing for an individual and that's what we do. Um, everything's different sizes cause there's different size actors. Right. And we've taken some of the smaller pieces cause as you and I both know, a lot of actors are very tiny, but yes. we've added like fun panels and different um, designs and stuff and made them bigger for like most normal, regular size people as well. Cool. Very um, cool. But yeah, most of it's one of a kind. And then even some of the stuff that's one of a kind, we've sourced from other things that are one of a kind. Like I've always tried, if I'm doing a war movie, I did one with Marielle that won some awards. Mm -hmm. Uh, We got all authentic camo. I went to Camp Pendleton and found guys that were trying to sell their stuff at consignment stores and paid them double. Wow. Just because they, you know, they're out there defending our country and they're still struggling and they're trying to sell their old uniforms. So I paid them double. I gave them their name badges back off of the stuff. And then, so these are one of a kind pants that we used in one of her movies and another movie as well for NBC. I have some of those too. And we're making like crop tops out of the pants for, for girls. And they're, you know, I'm getting a ton of feedback that they love that kind of stuff. We've done period war movies where I have like an original German made jacket, but for the French army. 
Not even sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll show you the labels when we hang up. But basically I kept all the labels in and then I added like a bunch of second line detail and it's named second line because obviously the double entendre, like second line, this is sort of its second version of life. Um, but also because second line is a very special dance that we do in new Orleans where we celebrate weddings. We also celebrate funerals Yes, uh, and they do the same kind of dance and they just march in the street, bunch of bands. Um, you might get together with like a, a core group of like five guys. And then if you've ever watched the opening scene tr- to Treme, mm-hmm. if you ever get to see that, that's what a second line is. People just come out of their houses with whatever instrument they play and they join and they just go down the street. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no route that they take. There's no police trying to help. Unless it gets too big, someone will call and say, we need a police escort because it's we stop traffic. If the light's green, nobody cares. Like they keep walking. And they, I've not been able to make it to school and work before because this is the second that's a very new orleans thing I, i've never been blocked by a uh by a random street band uh, in new jersey or, right. uh, <laughs> or la before random street band of neighbors then we hope you know how to play what you're carrying <laughs> well i've actually it's funny i've actually hired a second line band before i did a, a shoot i did a shoot in new orleans and we you know we needed a second line band and you know they're explaining like like okay well they just show up i'm like yeah th- that's not gonna work we actually <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't stand there and just wait for music. Like, you know, we need to have like, like actually hired them. We, we found a group out there. We were able to pay. And uh, that was, it was on one of the unscripted uh, things that I worked on that. I was, <laughs> that was the same shoot, I believe where, cause you know, look, you're from new Orleans, you know, the parking situation is there. I get the call that the uh, entire camera van had been towed because they parked it where they thought they could park it. And uh, they were not correct about that one. So we had a, uh, we had shooting a kind of ground to a little bit of a halt that day uh, until we were able to get that back out of the impound. Have a camera van. Yeah. And if you, yeah. yeah, that's when you need someone like me, Rami, to help you. Yes. <laughs> I know what you guys to talk to to get that damn truck. If not, you'll be sitting there for six hours and still won't have your truck. Trust me when I tell you, I would have been thrilled. And I emphasize thrilled to have you on that show. That was a, <laughs> that was a rough one. That was a very rough in, one. I walked in uh, one time. I I was working in the quarter. My car got towed. I was so angry because it was parked legally, but you, you have to prove it. Right. So I was like, prove it's not. So then I got my friend to flirt with the guy at the gate. I had a spare key. I went in and drove my damn car out and said, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and all they did was laugh because they were like, what are we going to do? Chase her? <laughs> that, that's a, you're, you're, like, you're like mission impossible. That's amazing. <laughs> also, we had a little more balls because we were drunk and like trying to just get our car out at 3 a.m. <laughs> It was like two girls under the bridge trying to get the car out. It was funny. <laughs> That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. So now uh, for second line, then can people buy any of this stuff yet? Like, can we go online and look for it? Yeah, you can go online at uh, the Twitter at second line fashion and you can look at some of our ads and stuff that's already up and buy from there. But yeah, it's all one of a kind. And so it's first come first serve. And we can also make custom stuff, but if we don't already have the the vintage fabrics or the extra, we can't. Okay. So a lot of it we can't, but there are some basic things. We call it the basic bitch line where we're <laughs> making like t-shirts and bodysuits and stuff out of luxe fabrics like silk and stretched lurex and velvet. So you can get like a velvet t-shirt because we had bolts and bolts of this stuff for this other movie we had to do. So but I got to ask. That runs did... out, we can't. So I assume you came up with the basic bitch line uh, name for it. Uh, why would you assume such a thing? <laughs> because I've known you for seven years. So. <laughs> also, it's a very common term now, Rob. <laughs> but yeah. 
It makes sense. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I was I did call it basic rich. And then my friends, because it's a luxury version of a t-shirt or a bodysuit or something. But my friend said, girl, you know, everybody's going to see right through that. Anyone who knows you, <laughs> you mean bitch. <laughs> so I'm like, fine, I'll change it. But I didn't know if we'd get censored. <laughs> well, I, I, look, I'm not going to censor you. I think it's hysterical. <laughs> I think it's good. And it's also, it's something like people, people will absolutely jump onto that because, you know, it's, it's, um, how should I put this? It's a little rebellious, if you will, still. <laughs> it, it's a little. And, and is as part of the entire line and the scheme of it, that basic quote unquote stuff is the only thing that isn't one of a kind. Got it. The only thing that there's at least, an, at least a one or two or third option. I love it. I absolutely love it. All right. Well, look, Shay, it was an absolute pleasure having you here with me, even though it was only virtual. Um, if you'd like to learn more about Shay or check out her work, please check out her website at www.shaybacher.com and follow her on Instagram at Shay B style. That's S H A Y the letter B style and twitter at shaybacher and don't forget to check out second line on instagram at second line fashion uh you know thank you everybody for listening today if you enjoyed this episode or have any questions i'd love to hear from you please email me at info at the top again that's info at the top don't forget to subscribe and leave reviews and comments i love to see and hear them and thanks again everyone stay safe and healthy out there 